Hi, I'm Nanaba Duncan, and this is Media Girlfriends. I wanted to let you know about a new podcast created by one of our very own Media Girlfriends co-founders. It's called At the End of the Day with Hannah Sung. This is a podcast that's based on her popular newsletter of the same name. In every episode, Hannah speaks with friends who are old friends, new friends. She learns from their stories and experiences and professional expertise. Right now, the state of the world and our individual lives can feel super overwhelming, but the answer isn't to shut down, even though it might feel that way. It is to add perspective, one that puts people first, relationships and caring and social fairness and the greater good. And that's what this podcast is about. Our fellow co-founder, Garvia Bailey, and I were on an episode of At the End of the Day, talking with Hannah about how to make your work meaningful and why we started Media Girlfriends, which you might have a clue about already. But if you want to listen to that episode, it is out now. Just search for At the End of the Day with Hannah Song on your favorite podcast app. Do it now! So you're going to want to hear that conversation, but that's not the episode I'm sharing with you right now. What I want you to hear is the very first episode. It features Anne Pornell. She's a comedian and a co-host of The Great Canadian Baking Show. Hannah and Anne are both huge BTS fans, so they connect on that. Like, they really connect on that. But what this episode is truly about is how to bring joy into your life. Their conversation starts now. Welcome to my very first episode of At the End of the Day, the podcast. I'm Hannah Sun. In every episode, I speak with friends who have stories and experiences that I like to learn from. And I also branch out from my own circle to look for an expert on a topic that has me looking for advice. Maybe by the end of every episode, you might have some more clarity on what matters most to you at the end of the day, which is always what I'm looking for too. Now, if you read my newsletter, you know that baking and eating cake got me through the early part of our pandemic era. And then when I started watching The Great Canadian Baking Show with people who can really bake, I fell in love with Anne Pornell. Hurry up. We're going to be late. Ugh, excuse me, but you were not the one in six-inch heels in the grass. <sighs> okay, I'm going to ask. What's with the outfit? Alan, it's called making an effort. It's fancy week, okay? And would it have killed you to put on a tie? Anne... It's fancy dessert week. Fancy dessert. Okay, if you think I'm going to be upstaged by a dessert, <laughs> you don't know me. She's co-host of this show, and she's a comedian, and she has a killer fashion sense that my eyes just enjoy so much. And she's a BTS fan, like me. So what's not to love? In this first episode of At the End of the Day, I wanted to start with someone whose energy I love so much to talk about how we can also cultivate joy in our own lives. Here's my conversation with Anne Pornell. Good morning, Anne. Morning. Are you always so bright and chipper, even early in the morning? Oh, well, we try so we can stay awake for the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like truly so nice to see your face. You too. Really? You don't even know me. <laughs> Please, excuse me. I grew up in the much music era and I'm just trying to be cool and not tell you that I text my friends being like, I have Hannah Sung's phone number. I have it. I yeah! have it. <laughs> so there. How about that? 
Oh, my God. I'm the same way. Well, you saw this morning, both of my kids snuck in. Literally, my daughter was skulking on the floor, just trying to get a glimpse of you. I'm like, stand up. Just come straight to the computer. Just say hi. (laughs) Be proud in your thirst. Oh, they they love you. You know, okay. I just, listen, the reason why I needed to talk to you today is because I wanted to talk about how to bring the joy of fandom into your life. And I feel like you are joy personified. But I have to tell you, my whole family was into the Great Canadian Baking Show. And I think, you know, that's a show that got people through the pandemic. I think probably people Mm -hmm. tell you this all the time. It got me through the pandemic. Oh, really? Absolutely. Because I didn't start watching it literally until April 2020. And then I burned through the first three seasons and I was like, (laughs) this is lovely. There is good in the world. (laughs) And then I (laughs) got the opportunity to audition. And then I'm like, (laughs) well, this isn't going to be mine, so I might as well have fun. Cut to now, and I'm like two seasons deep, and I'm like, (laughs) it's as nice as it was on TV. (laughs) Let's explain how you and I even connected, which is that I have kind of been open about being a big fan of BTS, and I was mentioning it in a work meeting, and somebody, like literally the first thought they had, they don't know you personally, but they were like, Ann Pornell from The Baking Show loves BTS. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, she does? <laughs> and then I just basically stalked you. I started DMing you, and you wrote me right back. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Honestly, I don't make it a habit to check the other messages, but then if anyone reveals <laughs> themselves to be a BTS fan... I will talk to them. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I was hoping for that, obviously, because I was just randomly messaging you. But I kind of thought it would work because that's what happened to me. People would DM me and say, I love BTS too. And have you seen this video? And have you seen that show? And I always welcomed it so much because I don't really have BTS fans among my real life friends. Although now I do because I made new friends during the pandemic, (laughs) which is wild, right? No, listen. I did not throw away my old friends. Okay, okay. (laughs) I just accrued new ones, which is crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought we could make new friends in the pandemic? But BTS helped me do that. Yeah. I also felt very isolated when I first started getting into them, which was during the pandemic, because none of my friends were into them. And so it was to the point where I was so desperate to talk about them that my Zoom birthday party, (laughs) I made my friends have to choose their bias. So I forced them to do research and then to pick a (laughs) member just so I could have one day of talking about BTS guilt-free with people who could kind of get the references. So I forced my friends to get to know them. I love that concept. You (laughs) were the YouTube algorithm that radicalized me. You and Pornell were the human version. Yes, (laughs) that is exactly it. I don't know what your experience was like, but mine was like uh, two or three weeks of being like, who are these dudes? Oh, they're pretty big. And then I started watching less their music videos and more sort of their normal interactions with each other, like the behind the scenes stuff. Absolutely. And I'm like, They're like me and my friends. I miss this camaraderie. I miss that stage sort of troop vibe of like hanging out with your castmates. And that for me was what pulled me under is that sense of like group dynamic and respect that they have with one another. And it made me long for the stage and long for ensemble work. And that's when I was like, I love them. They are the only (laughs) joy in my life. I love them. (laughs) Yes, 
You know what? It's not an exaggeration to say they were the only joy. Like everything yeah. was falling apart. Yeah. And I mean, you did not have your castmates. You did not have the stage at that time. Yeah. And that's so interesting that that's what they represented for you because, I mean, for me, it was also friendships. I'm not a person who does improv and sketch comedy on stage. Like that's not what they were for me. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just like, all of their respect, as you say, and their physical affection. They are friends who are close and touch. And we could not touch anybody who was outside our household for so long. There were so many things that they also represented to me in the way they represented to you, slightly different, but reminding us of the other fuller, richer version of our life that we weren't able to lead. They honestly reminded me of humanity and grace and kindness and respect. And like, I would say 2020 is when I really did a deep dive. That's when it was the most scary because we didn't quite know what was going on. We're like, another wave? Oh, no. Meanwhile, we're here in wave six being like, what up? Masks (laughs) off, everyone. But like in 2020, I was longing for a reminder that there is good in the world. And that's what BTS was. So through them and through their music, but really through their shows, like I would say I'm a bigger fan of their online stuff, like run BTS, their little variety shows, their travel shows Mm -hmm. than I am of their music, which I love. But like for me, that was the selling point and entry into what it means to be ARMY, which is just this like devotion to these human beings who seem like nice men. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have many theories about why BTS is as huge as they are. And I think you you nailed it with how it's all the behind the scenes stuff. Because if people listening don't know, and they think that they're just stage performers, they basically have a camera on them all the time. All the time. And, and you see them doing very normal, regular, everyday things like cooking for each other, actually even feeding each other, which is super adorbs. Um, it kills me. And it kills me. It's so nice. And what you just said about them being nice men, I also believe that they are the men that we want to see in the world. Yes. We see a lot of men we don't want to see in the yep. world, right? And those men are in power in many places. Mm-hmm. But BTS are examples of the humble but confident and emotionally intelligent men we want to see yes and ones that don't take themselves seriously yeah i love them because i feel comfortable in like standing them i like their morals (laughs) i like their ideals and i like what they represent i love not having to worry if this group of dudes is going to be like oh are they are they nasty little boys? You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> what lurks behind the curtain? There's like no curtain. There's no them. curtain. They're, they don't have time. They simply don't have yeah. time. They've literally yeah. been on camera for the past seven years, 24-7. Yeah. It's kind of an extreme example of what I imagine people might be living more like in the future, you know? Yes. Which as a parent kind of freaks me out because I just don't know how to deal. How will I help my children grow up in a world where maybe cameras will be on all the time to a degree yeah Yeah. i'll just keep watching bts videos and figure it out that way (laughs) i mean they're setting a good example (laughs) they do set a good example i'm curious because like i said i'm in my 40s i'm somebody who did not expect to like my first boy band at this age i did not like boy bands in my youth (laughs) welcome thank you i love it here yes you are safe you are loved you are accepted (laughs) 
But, you know, I, I they make me kind of look back at my youth mm-hmm. and think about what kind of kid I was. I'm wondering what kind of kid Anne Pornell was because you were born in the Philippines. You grew mm-hmm. up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Did you always know you'd be a comedian and be in the public eye? Absolutely not. I had dreams of being an actor as a kid, but very much fell prey to the Asian stereotype of be a doctor, be a lawyer, Mm -hmm. or even be a teacher, like have a real job, quote unquote. (laughs) And that was always the plan. Like I went to U of T and I got my Bachelor of Science and I did the whole pre-med route thing. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this hard? I'm not good at it. I can't do it. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And while I was at U of T, like really trying to figure out how I'm going to like carve a career with the pieces of a bachelor's degree that I could muster, I started doing sketch comedy and it was a really nice outlet, but I never thought it would lead to a career or even the beginning of my path. I thought it was just So was it just a hobby? It was a hobby. It was a way to keep social and to have friends, honestly. Because U of T is such a big campus that if you don't get involved in clubs or little things, you could very well just go through university not knowing any single person in your class. It's true. It's like its own little city. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to have that sense of community and I found it. And then when I graduated, there was a real like, what are you going to do now? (laughs) And then in an attempt to figure that out and buy my time, I joined a sketch troupe, the Skechersons. And from that point on, I was just like, just keep going until no one's going to cast you in anything because what else are you going to do? And I just somehow found myself here now as a person on TV. I love that strategy. Just keep going until I can't. Yeah. That and like say yes, say yes to these fun opportunities. Like I never thought sketch comedy, I didn't even know what it was. Like I was not the kid who grew up watching Mad TV and SNL and Kids in the Hall and In Living Color. Like I watched it, but I never thought that that was a job. I never realized that that was something (laughs) that I could do or that I wanted to do. It was just literally being like at the right place at the right time. The first sketch show that I did at U of T was called The Bob. And I only auditioned for it because every single other person on my floor was like, hey, we're going to try out to be in this comedy show. You want to come? And I was like, okay. And I went because everyone else was going and I was the one who got <laughs> who got cast. And then from there on, I was like, oh, this is sketch comedy. Oh, this is fun. Can this be a job? <laughs> no, it can't be a job. So I'll just keep doing this to keep myself happy while I figure out what my job is going to be. Hmm. But you know, when you say that you were just kind of tagging along to this audition, I mean, first of all, that's apparently what happened to V and how he got into BTS. Did you oh know that? Oh my God, I didn't even Did read. You know? oh. Yeah, I read that somewhere. I don't know. Is that true? Is it not? But also, I feel like it's not random because you are interested and you're around peers who are interested in the same thing. And, you know, your community is your glue often to not only the world, but to yourself, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's not a random accident, but it does make a good story. <laughs> it does. Like, and it's that whole thing of like, just saying yes and being open to the opportunity is the opportunity. Enjoying it for what it was in the moment and never worrying too much about like the future of it, because there is no future in sketch comedy. <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> like we can name on one hand, the amount of sketch shows that have come out of Canada and half of them have already finished. So, well, is there anyone's career where you look at it and you think, Oh yeah, I want that career. 
Ah, Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) She's got every job and she looks cute doing it. Oh my God. She must be so tired. She's done it all. And she's done it all standing straight or with her arms at a 90 degree angle at her side. I don't want to do any of those jobs. I don't want to be Barbie. I want to be Ali Wong where she says she wants to lie down, although she works so hard. But I am that person too. I just want to lie down, but I work really hard. But she wants to lie down because she works so hard. That's, That's the funny rub of it, right? But the further along I go in my career, the more I'm like, I just want to have fun. That is what I want is to have a good time regardless of what I'm doing. And so I feel like that as a career goal is already hard enough, (laughs) but also something I have a say in and I, I can control some of that fun, some of that joy by bringing that to the table. So to answer your question, I don't know that there's someone's career that I want to follow in the footsteps of because I honestly have never seen anyone like me. <laughs> and that's not to be like, <sighs> I'm so special. It's truly <laughs> like, oh, I don't know that I could follow any host's career that also do acting, that also do this, just because like I haven't seen it. I have not seen a fat Filipino woman just coasting and giggling along life. <laughs> you know what, though? How special, as you say, <laughs> that, that you do occupy a very kind of unique position. I think it is very special. Probably there's some pressure involved, too. But, you know, when you say that really your guiding light is just to have fun, that to me sounds like a real position, like a strong position to take. Yeah. Why did you choose that? Basically, I've come to a point where I have lost a lot of my faith in humanity. <laughs> oh, and not you. I'm so sorry. What can the but- rest of us do? <laughs> okay, please continue. Here's the thing. I see very much now that the world is not the world that I thought it was. And I think I'm better off for it. I am, I'm glad to have kind of the rose-tinted glasses off. Because to me, that's how I can affect my change. In the past two years, I've just been sort of sitting at home being like, what do I do? Like, what do I give the world? What impact is there left to make that I can do? And the thing that I felt most robbed of was fun and joy. And I know everyone else is definitely feeling the same way. So I thought, what can I do in my career? Oh, I'm a comedian. So it's already kind of built into that. But like, how can I carry that forward and let it affect the work that I do so that the work that I do feels like it's meaningful? Because to be honest, like being a clown, being a comedian is both very humbling and also it's a huge status, right? To make people laugh is an incredible skill that not everyone has. And if you have that, I think it's really important to spread that out, to give that out. And this whole finding joy and having fun is my way of keeping myself motivated and keeping that well full. Because before, my well would get full when I would perform live on stage, when I would hear those laughs, when I would interact and connect with the audience. But now that sort of live theater and comedy shows, they're coming back. They're still not back 100%. In the absence of that, I was like, how can I keep going when my job is to make people laugh, if I'm not the one, like if I'm not laughing, if I don't think anything's funny anymore, how do I bring that into my work? And then wonderfully, the baking show came up and I was like, oh, 
simply by talking to people, enjoying them, getting to know them and playing with them. Because hosting is, is hosting, right? It's kind of just stand and talk, present the information and you're done. But with The Baking Show, there's a real opportunity to find people's humanity and find what makes them special. And like for me, I consider it my job to make the audience see what we see in the room. Mm -hmm. And when the goal is to make everyone around you look as good as possible, then they have fun, then they enjoy themselves. And then that to me is where the important work is, raising everyone up and making them have a good time because life sucks. (laughs) So uh, the world is a dumpster fire. It's terrible. But Uh that doesn't mean we have to lose our sense of humor, our sense of humility, our sense of compassion, our sense of fun, because we know how dark and dire it can be. And I don't want to succumb to that in the way that this past two years have made it really easy to fall into that sort of depressive and pessimistic state. So while I wholeheartedly believe the world is garbage, it doesn't mean that that's what I want to put out into the world. I want to be the counter to that. And I want everyone around me to also be the counter to that. I love what you're saying because I do feel that you are achieving your goal in that, yes, the past couple of years have been difficult and people have found their small lifelines and Mm -hmm. your baking show honestly was one of them because it was just comforting. And every time you would go around to each table and visit each baker – you would see those human interactions. It's like what we were saying about BTS and how we love just seeing them interact with each other with affection. Yes. And that's the kind of stuff that we needed. And it's like when our lives were way bigger before, there were so many ways to be gratified. And then when our worlds became tiny, we had to cling to anything we could find. I know all my friends were talking about the Great Canadian Baking Show. And that's how I started watching was that I just – was left out in the group chat scenario. It's like, I what? I need to watch this show now. And then my kids got into it. And there's something very undeniably like the energy that you bring. So your life is very unique. But how would you say, what are some bigger pieces of advice or broader pieces of advice that you can give to people in terms of how they can bring the joy that you bring into your own life? How can they do that? Wow, I, that was not even a question. That was me <laughs> rambling and not being able to get it I, out. I, if that's not a question, then how do I have an answer? Okay, <laughs> I okay, have an answer. Yeah. Do not take yourself seriously. Hmm. Do not, because we are, we're pathetic little humans. <laughs> like, and I mean that in the most loving way. Like, I truly think humanity's greatest downfall is that we think we're so much smarter than we are, but we are not. We're not. And when you take a second and take a step back to be like, oh, who am I? The question isn't even that as much as it is like, does it matter? (laughs) And so if you don't take yourself seriously, you are A, going to have a lot more laughs straight up. B, you open yourself up to seeing other perspectives. And I think that's another thing that is deeply missed in this world now is that because our, our lives have become sort of a very small circle, we've lost a lot of the ability to come at things with an open mind because we think we're right. 
And I'm as guilty of that as anyone else is up on my soapbox yelling about Doug Ford or whatever political thing I'm super against right now. But realistically, that doesn't actually make impact because when people think you're yelling at them, they're not going to want to listen. But if people are laughing with you, they will absolutely listen. That is why I do comedy is because that's how you affect change. When people are laughing, when people are having a good time, they don't know that they're learning. They don't know that they're empathizing, mm-hmm. right? Because it's that human on human interaction where if you're willing to be like, ah, I'm just a clown, then the other person is like, yeah, uh, I guess I am too, aren't we all? And there's that level of connection where you might not have connected with someone before. Working at Second City was a big testament to that because a lot of different people would come through the theater doors, but we would all have to make them laugh all the same regardless of whether or not they agreed with our politics or even like the type of jokes we were saying or whatever was going on in front of them, we all had to come to that sort of middle ground to meet of we're going to agree to have a good time. And a lot of that is to check your ego at the door. I never take myself too seriously because what we do doesn't really matter beyond what we think it matters or how we think it matters. Mm-hmm. Would you mind if I drill down on that a little bit more to say, don't take yourself too seriously? Okay, what are the ways? Yeah. I feel like you're speaking from experience. Yeah. For me, I have a really hard time being teased, which is a joke because I'm a comedian and all I do is tease and be teased. Why do you have a hard time with it? I love being teased. Because I'm just like, how dare you? You don't know me. (laughs) Like, Like that voice is very much an eight-year-old being like standing her ground in the playground. Like that's who my inner saboteur is, (laughs) is an eight-year-old child. But knowing that I'm already like quite sensitive to being teased before I get reactive, I just pause, take a step being like, what's actually going on here? Oh, this is fun. Okay, then we can have fun rather than just reacting because I am very reactive and I've been working on that during (laughs) pandemic times. But very much it's like slow down and think again and again, eh, this doesn't matter. (laughs) It's kind of my mantra is like, uh, nothing matters in this world, which is a little fatalistic, but it's also very freeing. Mm -hmm. I just want to throw everything away. Nothing matters, everybody. That's what I'm born with a laugh i love it we should all just throw away all our baggage and laugh like you yeah (laughs) we did start the conversation by talking about what it's like to be a fan and the joy of being a fan but you have fans right what's it like to be on the other side weird of that equation really (laughs) It's so is there, weird. Is there any joy there on that side? There's so much, especially because it's the baking show. It's a very specific demographic. You're not getting the people who are angsty and angry and have wild opinions on things. Or if they do, that's not the first thing that they're going to go to when they run into you. Like the people who come up to me are children and families and excitable people. And I'm like, yes. Thank you, Baking Show. (laughs) Like, if we want to talk about other fandoms, like, I'm a big Drag Race fan. And that is a fandom that I do not want to (laughs) mess around with at all. Even ARMY is kind of scary sometimes to me. Right, 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 right. But when the overwhelming 
majority of things that are said to you are things like, I love the show. It makes me so happy. And I watch it with my family. It's incredible. It's incredible to have that kind of response from anyone. So it's weird because anyone thinks that you're more special than the next person, but like, I'm not, I don't think that I am, but if someone wants to treat me like that and gush over it, I accept it because I think it means a lot to them as well. Like if I saw BTS and I started sobbing, I would want to be able to express myself. Yeah. (laughs) So I always am like, thank you. I'm so, I'm grateful for it. They're letting me know that I did my job and I made them happy. So that's a nice thing. Yeah. No, I think that's really amazing. And, you know, I admit that when I was in my 20s and people would see me on TV and I guess kind of act in a fan type way towards me, I did not know how to deal. It's weird. I just didn't know how to handle that side of the equation because I also had never been like a gushing fan of anyone. Yeah. Now I love being a gushing fan of BTS. But yeah, and I think it takes maturity to, to be where you are right now, Anne. And to accept that adoring love. It's that. It's acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have to be able to accept the good because we're so easy to accept the bad. Like if someone were to criticize you, you would internalize that immediately. Absolutely. If someone was insulting you, that's the first thing you hear. Mm -hmm. But if someone is praising you, the first instinct is to say, oh, no, don't. Yeah. But to me, that's the best part of the job. That's one of the perks of this job. Take it. Let yourself accept that love and that joy that's being given to you because it could be the other way around. Yeah. Aren't so we easily. So lucky. I know. All right. So I wanted to make this conversation open to everyone to listen to, yeah. not just the BTS fans. But at this point, I got to give ourselves, you and me, and just a little bit of BTS love. Okay? Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your current? favorite BTS song? What's on repeat? It's kind of been three from the get-go. Okay. And number one is Idol. Yeah. I think that's the most BTS song that ever BTS'd. Yeah. It's like, to me, that is who they are. Mm -hmm. It's loud. It's fun. It's bright. It's like powerful. Very Korean. I love Mm -hmm. it. I love it. Telepathy. I love telepathy so much. It's the one song that I know half the words to. Oh my God, in Korean. In Korean, yes. That's incredible. It's not good, but I can... (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can can you remember them? I would love to hear a little bit of your Korean. Yeah. Oh my God, you're very good. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's been a year of me trying. Yes, yes. So telepathy and then dang. Wow, that's a song I don't know. It's a deep cut because Uh it's only been released on SoundCloud, so you can't even hear it on Spotify. So why do you love it? It's so sexy. Like Really? Like I love the vocals, but I love the rap line. Mm. Sugar's rapping is so sensual to me. (laughs) It's so sexy. And I think that and RM's it's audibly very pleasing and um it makes me horny i don't know (laughs) it's just a great song and i love the way it sounds oh my god i love it and so do you know what dang means wrong does it mean wrong i don't know like i I, like dang to me sounds like it's like a onomatopoeic like it's a bell 
Yeah, from my understanding, dang means like, eh. Like, if you mm-hmm, get something mm-hmm. wrong, someone's like, dang. Okay. That's what I understand it to be. Mm-hmm. Because of what I've just seen on, like, Korean variety shows. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now I have to go listen to this song. And it's so, so sexy. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking of you. Yeah. Doing your dance. And you're going to be like, this is what she thinks is sexy? Okay, go off. <laughs> uh, and who is your bias? There's three, and I know that's not technically correct but i cannot choose one and i don't mm-hmm. understand how anyone can just choose one mm-hmm. but my biases are sugar Jin, and now most recently rm because he got really thick and it's driving me crazy <laughs> you find him physically attractive he's so hot but also mm-hmm. just like that sense of what he must carry on his shoulders yeah i just think Of all of them, he's probably had to make the most amount of sacrifice as their leader, as sort of the guy who knows the most English, so defaults Mm -hmm. to being their spokesperson and their Mm -hmm. physical mouth in Western interviews. Mm -hmm. I think this is a man who has taken his responsibilities seriously, and I think that is so admirable and so, like, I couldn't do what he does, and uh, he's also really hot, so (laughs) I don't know what anyone wants from me. I mean... (laughs) stop stop get off my back hannah i'm only gonna choose three thank you they are all attractive right we can say that they are so it drives me crazy but the thing about rm is that i identify with him too much i feel like Mm -hmm. the guy who speaks for the band all the time because he understands english is the eldest child in an immigrant family period he Mm -hmm. is all of us yes yeah yeah and so i do love him for that i i love them all for for everything that they are. I think my bias is Jin because of exactly what you've been talking about, Anne. He doesn't take himself too seriously. And when I first started to get to know them in interviews, I could see that he would do this like smoldering look to camera. He would call himself worldwide handsome, but he would immediately break from it and just be the goofball of the game. Yes. Yes. Kind of no ego, like just kind of wearing his pajamas and going to bed, like on camera too. That's so weird, but you know. Absolutely. And just playing video games all day, like in the soup season two. Yeah. Not really giving any Fs. That's it. Oh, and you know, one thing I really love about the whole band is how they talk about their emotional lows, right? Yes. They reveal their vulnerability a Mm -hmm. lot. They have so many messages they put out to the world about like strength and unity and addressing the UN multiple times, talking about climate change, talking about young people and their economic distress. Especially with the rap one, especially with Suga and RM specifically, they do write a lot of their lyrics. Like a lot of Suga's, especially his solo stuff, is quite honest, brutally honest about Mm -hmm. his sort of struggles with depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So like what they say in their music just reinforces what we see of them on their various shows and their various performances. And like, they deserve this fandom because it's a hard thing to be that open and to be that vulnerable Absolutely, on such a huge scale. I'm sure we don't even understand the depth of how deep this runs. Like they're, they're big, but I don't think we could ever understand really how big because we just, we don't know. But I don't like, think the world has seen this before, frankly. I wonder, like, was this what the Beatles was no, to people? No, really? it wasn't. I've thought about that. Because with the Beatles, I feel like the fandom was 
It was not a two-way street. You would scream your love and all your energy at them, and then they would perform, Mm. and they might do interviews. But right now, it's like the way that BTS talks to camera on their V lives Mm -hmm. and in their Instagram lives, it's like they are talking to an intimate friend. And it is just on a different level. And the fact that BTS fans can mobilize and do things like buy shares when HYBE had their IPO, fans now kind of own the band, yes, you know, or all the social justice types of things that the fans have done and the way the fans can look out for each other, but also how they sometimes go too far in the opposite direction oh, and oh, they yes. can destroy each other. I mean, this is just like humanity playing out on technology and our connections via BTS, but it's really, it's something else mm-hmm. that's happening and BTS is kind of like a catalyst I never thought of it in terms of fans scream and then the band just plays and then goes because it's absolutely right. The amount that they have opened themselves up is a lot. And that's why I can't help but feel like we're seeing who they really are because like, how do you act like that 24-7? You You don't. You simply can't. It's exhausting. And it's impressive, that openness of like sharing themselves because that's, It's hard to do that because you are left to be judged by people left and right. And they are. Yes. We love them. Mm -hmm. But the world knows that they are. They do get judged all the time in ways big and small. And listen, will you continue this conversation with me like every day of our I I feel like we just got started. (laughs) I know. I know. Thank you so much, Anne. I will happily talk to you anytime about this. Have me back again. We'll yes. continue this for like a hundred times over. We could talk. I'm going to stalk about you this. in your DMs. You know that. Please. Yes. It's not stalking if it's reciprocal. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to At the End of the Day. This episode was produced by Olivia Trono and me, Hannah Sung. Theme music for this show is a song called Commentators, written by Jeremy Singer and performed by Hank. Thank you to CBC for the clip of Anne Pornell on The Great Canadian Baking Show. At the End of the Day is brought to you by a team, editorial assistant Francis Kim, newsletter editor Laura Hensley, and if you are contributing to the Patreon for the show, thank you for bringing the show to life. That includes Kate, Duncan, Iris, Cecilia, and Lara. You're amazing for supporting our small but mighty team, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find our Patreon link and newsletter at endoftheday.ca. That's E-N-D-O-F-T-H-E-D-A-Y dot C-A. This podcast is part of the Media Girlfriends Network, and you can find us at mediagirlfriends.com. That was an episode of At the End of the Day with Hannah Sung. She's a co-founder of Media Girlfriends Podcast Production Company. And I would love for you to follow her podcast and listen to our episode with Media Girlfriends talking about how and why we started our podcast production company. Follow At the End of the Day on your favorite podcast app or go to endoftheday.ca.